You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezrus Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing our series of shirim on the inner world of anxiety. And tonight's shir is going to be titled The Rotating Sword of Doubt. Now we left off last week after discussing death awareness as the birthplace of anxiety for Adam Harishon and that the first instantiation and formation of subjectivity after partaking from that Eitz Adas was that Adam and Chava were aware of their mortality. And we spoke about how that intense concern over the eventual end of things should not bring a despondency, God forbid, to the individual, but rather should propel the individual to descend into the depths of the urgency of the moment and to live their lives with each moment being as intense as it needs to be. Now, we're going to follow through with the narrative in Parshas Bereshis with what happens after Achilas Eitzadas. And this is after Adam and Chava are kicked out of Yigaresha Adam, that after Adam Arishon is kicked out of Gan Eden, kicked east of Eden, and he finds himself pushed forth outside of the comforting womb of Gan Eden. And the Pasuk tells us that Lahat And that what HaKadosh Baruch Hu places in order to ensure that Adam and Chava do not return into Gan Eden and partake from that Eitz Achayim, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sets Keruvim, he sets angelic forces with a lahat hacherev ha in their hands, with a rotating fiery sword. Now this rotating fiery sword, which guards the Eitz Achayim, which blocks the individual from entering back into that place of primordial sustenance, wherein prior to the chait of Adam HaRishon, we lived with a sense of calmness that wherever we were was exactly where we needed to be. And in order to ensure that Adam and Chava do not preempt their return back to that Edenic state, God, so to speak, places this rotating fiery sword, this lahat hacherat to guard the derech towards the Eitz HaChayim. Now, what is most interesting when we look at the Meforshim, with regards to what exactly is the nature of this fiery rotating sword, the Meforshim in unison, based on Rashi and the Maharal's interpretation of Rashi, in unison describe how the the fiery rotating sword, it's not that the fiery glimmer of light that emerged off of the sword was rotating, because that glimmer is nothing. That glimmer is ain by mamish. It doesn't contain anything of itself. So what was it that was preventing Adam and Chava from entering back into Gan Eden? It was the image of that rotation, that rotating light 
that seems to emerge out of that sword that creates the image of this perpetual rotation, this perpetual spinning in order to create a fear within Adam and Chava about entering back into Gan Eden. So instead of just interpreting this as an actual sword that is rotating at every moment, what our Maforshim seem to be pointing out is that the rotation was merely an appearance. It was an apparent rotation. It was the glimmer that struck the sword and created the image, the mirage, as if there was a perpetual motion. And as Rashi points out, the purpose of all of this was to instill concern, anxiety, and fear within the heart of Adam HaRishon so that he would not return back and partake of the Eitzachayim. This this fiery rotating sword, one of the elements that we can discern from this experience, what is it that blocks Adam from returning back into Gan Eden? When something is rotating perpetually, when there's an undying movement, there's a sense that perhaps I can enter back into the Garden of Eden now, but at the very moment that the individual surges forth with the confidence and the hope that they will be able to sneak through before that rotating blade hits them, is the moment of recoil, is the moment where a person retreats back into themselves at a fear that perhaps I'm too late, per per perhaps I have not been able to catch the moment properly. And then there's another surge forward and another retreat backwards. That the rotation of the sword creates this perpetual back and forth where in the mind of the individual is constantly contemplating, can I enter in now? Perhaps now is the moment? No, perhaps it's too late. Perhaps now is the moment, perhaps it's too late. And the ambiguity of whether or not the free space would be enough for Adam to enter back in is what creates this anxiety and this fear, this overwhelming sense that perhaps it's safe, perhaps it's not safe. Perhaps now is the moment and perhaps it's not the moment. And on a certain level, as our Meforshim and the Tzadikim point out, the experience of that the fear that was elicited in the heart of Adam and Chava was the doubtful nature as to whether it was safe to enter back into the garden or not. So we see that on a certain level, the very nature of experience that blocks Adam from returning back into that garden of Eden, back into that place of calmness, back into that place before things have fallen, before things were broken, before death awareness, before a sense of time consciousness, the thing preventing us from entering back in is ambiguity. It's the undecidability that rests at the heart of the individual, the doubts, the not knowing whether it's safe to enter in right now or whether it's not safe, that gnawing feeling that perhaps in the next moment things are going to get bad, even though I'm not 100% sure. And this experience of doubt, these experience of svekos, of undecidability, of ambiguity at the heart of human experience is what creates a certain sense of anxiety in day-to-day -day life. That as human beings, we walk around with a certain burden of doubt, that we live in a world that is devoid of certainty. We live in a world that is cut through with the Ilana Desveka, that after partaking from the Eitzadas Tevera, as the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin point out to us, that Eitzadas Toivirah is in truth referred to as Ilana Desveka, the tree of doubt. Because on a certain level, the transition of human consciousness 
from before Chet Eitzadas and after Chet Eitzadas is that we no longer have access to vada'ut. We no longer have access to certainty. The awareness that what is, is, and it's going to be that way, and it's not going to change, and there's not going to be any surprises. But after Chet of Adam Harishon, after we partook from that Ilana Desveka, the world fell into a place of dimyon, almost as if it were a dream, where there are different elements engaged with one another, creating friction with one another, impossible realities side by side with irbuvia, with admixture, creating a certain ambiguity where the human being no longer knows what is up and what is down. And even if we are capable of choosing, nevertheless, at the heart of ourselves, we feel that perhaps Shema, things are wrong. That question of perhaps, that question of doubt that rests at the heart of the individual is the condition that we experience after being cast out of Gan Eden. Those sveikos, living our lives with doubts, living our lives questioning whether what happened yesterday will be present today, or perhaps I will face an entirely new reality today, or whether the experience I have right now is good or bad, and not being able to rest assuredly in our experiences but rather having questions at the heart of ourselves within every experience of that perhaps, the echo of perhaps things are differently, perhaps things should be another way, perhaps it's not real. And those sveikos attack a person. Those sveikos cut through an individual's experience. They darken a person's experience. Because what we truly want for ourselves is to ascend back up to the clarity, that vadai, that havadai shemo kentihilaso, that vadaut, that certainty that rests only with Akadush Baruch Hu. And after being cast out of Gan Eden, we experience this sheath or this shield of this rotating sword of doubts, of not knowing whether this is a safe moment or whether the next moment is a dangerous moment. And it cuts through a human being's experience. Now, the Svasemmes, the Avodah and the different Sadikim. They tell us that on a certain level, we have to understand that Ganeidan exists within the mind of the individual itself. We all have a bechina of Ganeidan within us. We all have that place of comfort, that place of calmness that we so desire to enter back into. Yet we live our lives with an undying sense of having always already just been cast out of that place. So we live with the twofold sense that on a certain level, there is a level of certainty available to me, but nevertheless, anytime I try and enter into that place of certainty, I experience doubts again, and I experience ambiguity, and I experience the anxiety that is born out of the undecidability at the heart of experience. And we all have that chilek of Gan Eden in our minds. As Rabbi Nachman of Breslov tells us, that with regards to the calmness of spirit that will emerge in the time of Mashiach, that Chazal describe it as tzadikim yoshvim ve'itroseihem b'roshehem, that the righteous will sit in Gan Eden and their crowns will be within their heads. And Rabbi Nachman of Breslov asks a diuk, he says, shouldn't it be ve'itroseihem al-roshehem? Shouldn't it write that their crowns will be upon their heads? Why does it write their crowns will be within their heads? And the answer is that oilam haba, and al-mud'asi, that world that is perpetually coming, 
that river that flows forth from Eden, is an aspect of the mind as well. It is most certainly a spiritual reality, but prior to the emergence of that spiritual reality, it retains its presence within the recesses of our mind. And our job is to try and enter back into that Gan Eden, back into that place of certainty, back into that place of Veloyus Boshishu, prior to death awareness, prior to the awareness of time and duration and being late. And if Gan Eden is a chilek of the human being's mind, our tzaddikim tell us that the laha tacharef hamisapeches is also a chilek of an individual's mind. That the thing blocking us from entering back into Gan Eden is also an element of the individual's thinking. And the Svasemes tells us that this laha tacharef hamisapeches, this rotating sword, that exists within the mind of the individual, preventing them from entering back in to that primordial certainty of the garden, is in fact a mesachamavdil. It's a partition that is drawn within the mind of the individual, preventing them from finding comfort. It is that perpetual sense that perhaps something is amiss. Perhaps I did something wrong. Perhaps something will be found out. Perhaps that person is thinking one thing or another thing. The svekos that fill the individual's life, the sense that things are not certain, which creates within us that fear of pisom, that something might suddenly take place, that something might suddenly change. Those svekos, that that brilliance that emerges out of the speed in which our thoughts and our ruminations circle around our mind, telling us one thing over and over and over again, even when a person tries to escape those ruminations, even when a person tries to escape that rotating nature of thoughts that circle upon themselves, like the snake that swallows its own tail. Nevertheless, even when we feel that we have reached a taste of vadai, a person finds themselves stuck once again within svekos. A person finds themselves eating from that ilana de sveka, not allowing themselves to take presence or find joy within their experience because on a certain level, it's all cut through with doubt. The tzaddikim tell us that the word ulai, the word perhaps, is associated with the experience of being in this world, associated with the level of malchus. That the experience that we have in this world is described fully with the word ulai, perhaps. That human beings live according to the law of majority. As Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch points out, the reason that halacha follows the rove, the reason that halacha follows the majority rule is coming to remind us that at best, all we can have is a majority of an understanding of something. But true certainty, a full grasp of the subject matter, a full grasp of metzius, a full grasp of what is taking place at this very moment in an individual's life, according to their own feelings, is an impossibility. There's no shlemus and there's no vada'us available to a person. And rov is the acquiescence that Chazal have given us to allow ourselves to find a way to live in a world that is cut through with doubt because certainty is unavailable to us. Since we've partaken from the Ilona de Sveka, at best what we can have is a law of majority. But when a person thinks about that on a practical basis, especially an anxious person, the mind is filled with the sense that even though everything is how it should be, even though everything looks the way it should look, even though things are going the way they should go, there's an anticipatory fear of some invisible enemy emerging. 
And the nature of anxiety, like Rashi already points out, is that in truth, it's nothing real. This appearance of this perpetual rotation that gives birth to doubt is ein bomamish. There's nothing concrete about it. If there were something concrete about it, it would be rooted in fear. Fear is a natural experience that a human being has when they encounter something that threatens their well-being. But the nature of fear is that it is of something nameable. I know what I am afraid of. And as a result of knowing what I'm afraid of, I arm myself with the capacity to react to that fear and to overcome that fear or to face that fear. That is an emergent quality. That is something that helps human beings develop. But when it comes to anxiety, however, anxiety is fear without an object. Anxiety is an anticipatory fear over nothing in particular. Because if it were about something particular and specific, then the individual would have the capacity of reacting towards it. Like a lion entering into a room, the individual knows what to do. They get up and they exit. But anxiety is a nameless danger because in truth it's ein mamish. It's just the mirage of an appearance of rotation. But there's nothing there other than the assumption of one's mind, the anticipatory fear over an unknown future. So it's the feeling that there's a lion in the room, but because the reality is that there's no lion in the room, I'm not going to stand up and react as I would to a real threat. And therefore the anxious individual is forced to sit there as if there is something shiyesh by mamish, something real to be concerned over. But at the end of the day, it's ain by mamish. It's not real. So it's the paradox of a real fear that is unreal. And as Rashi points out, this is the nature of the that blocks our minds from entering back into that primordial calmness of vada'ut, of certainty, of resting assuredly in what is, as opposed to contemplating all of the infinite possibilities of what could be, of what might go wrong, or what might change. It's a davar she'en by mamish. It's not real. Now, Thankfully, thankfully, we also know from our tzaddikim that the word suffake is not found in the Torah. That the idea of doubt, the idea of ambiguity, the idea of uncertainty does not have an ontological root within the Torah itself. Which means that it is not enough for us to just assume that the quality of doubt is something that a Jew needs to live with cutting all of their experiences until certainty eventually arrives. But rather, the very nature of suffolk is its non-existence. Meaning to say that doubt is built upon nothing other than the mirage of doubt itself. That doubt, like the is a mirage that emerges in front of the subject's eyes and the subject assumes that it is ultimately real and ontologically rooted and something that demands attention at every moment. But the way to be mamtik the way to sweeten doubt, is to come to recognize that doubt in truth does not exist. That doubt is built upon nothing other than its own fantastical expression. And in order to understand what this might mean for us towards Aderach in Tikkun, towards how to elevate ourselves out of doubt, 
we're going to look at some of the other Meforshim who give us insight into the nature of this Laha Tacherev HaMesapechas. And the Meforshim point out, especially in the Zayar HaKadosh, that the Kruvim, these angelic forces, on whatever level we can understand such a thing, that were holding that Laha Tacherev HaMesapechas in their hands, were in truth the origination of what we know as Shedim, as demonic forces, as ghosts, as things that haunt us. Now, Rav Huttner says something absolutely incredible. And Rav Dessler also points this out. Rav Huttner asks a question. Rav Huttner says, we find the stero when it comes to our understanding of these concepts of demonic forces. Those things that according to Chazal are the unconscious root of the trembling legs of all people the thing that creates distrust at the heart of individuals, that fear that a person feels even when there's nothing to be afraid of. And Rafutner points out that the Rambam already writes that shadim are a non-existent thing. They're not real. They don't exist anymore. But on the other hand, we find elsewhere, we find the numerous places, the proliferance of shadim, this concept of these demonic forces that haunt us in our minds. Again, fears that are rotating in our heads at any given moment, haunting us, giving us a feeling that things are not okay, pushing us away from being present. And Rav Huttner says, how do we align the reality that Chazal have spoken about the existence of these demonic entities Yet on the other hand, the Rambam tells us that these demonic entities don't exist. So Rav Huttner says, Kedar that the Rambam was describing the nature of their Metzias. The Rambam was not negating their Metzias, but rather he was defining their Metzias. So that when the Rambam says that Shadim don't exist, he wasn't saying that they're not real, but he was saying that their existence is the existence of something that is non-existent that these shadim, these fears, these anxieties that wrestle in the heart of man at any given moment, giving us a sense that we have to move away from where we're at, that something is wrong, that something is not right, those sveikos, that lahat, that prevents us from returning back to the Garden of Eden, it is a metzias she'en a metzias. It's an existence that is not existent. And the entire essence of the shadim, of sveikos themselves, of this rotation, is to come to recognize she'en bahem mamish is to come to realize that these things that attack me, these fears that assault me, this rotation that prevents me, this hishapchus, this reversing from one place to another, that heichal hatemuros, living in the chamber of changing colors, as Rabbi Nachman describes, the goal, the derech and being mamtikit, is to come to recognize that it's not real, ein boy mamish, that in truth there's nothing to be afraid of, in truth, that sense of being chased, as we're going to see next week, that sense of perhaps things will fall apart, is ultimately a mirage, is a fantasy that the human being is meant to break through. And as the Abarbanel and the Meforshim tell us that the Laha Tacherev HaMesapechas is not only the thing that pushes us out of Gan Eden, but it's also the thing that reminds us to hope towards returning back into Gan Eden. Almost as if saying that the very birthplace of doubt which gives birth to anxiety, is also the re-entry back into the Gan Eden, if we can learn how to be mitmoded, to face it in a healthy way. So what we see as we're building up this nakuda that we're going to try and be mazbir is that 
as the Mephorshim point out, the doubts that emerge from that rotation of the sword are ein bahen mamish. They are concerns that don't have any actual existence to them. They are nameless fears of an anticipatory future that is unknown. And the anxious mind assumes that that which is unknown will be somehow, some way unmanageable, overwhelming, too much to bear. But in truth, that is the projection of the individual's mind. But when we descend into the core of it and we allow ourselves to gaze at those demons, at those shindalids, at those klipos, at that unflinchingly, with courage, to look at it and not turn away, but to gaze through it, we come to recognize that ein mamish. We come to realize that in truth, suffolk has no existence. And we'll take this one shlav further to show how this is ultimately the theme of what suffolk represents. We know from the Svarim HaKadoshim that suffolk itself is identified with the arch nemesis of holiness, with that which is referred to as Amalek. Because Amalek, the arch nemesis of the historical Jewish people and the spiritual enemy that each and every one of us encounter within our day-to-day -day experiences is the same numerical value highlighting the same ontological root as doubt itself. That Safek and Amalek both share a gematria of 240. Highlighting the fact that Amalek itself, that arch enemy that attacks the Jewish individual, the individual, when they're trying to find comfort, when they're trying to live with Amuna, is this nature of doubt. But what is this existence of Amalek? What is this arch enemy? That when a person looks at the books, at the holy books, they find that each person according to their understanding, each person according to their own interpretation will give their own definition of what Amalek is. So we see that Amalek on a certain level is also the projection of that individual author or tzaddik's mind highlighting the fact that Amalek means for each and every individual what it means specifically to them. But the Nakud that I want to look at tonight is a teaching that is so incredibly beautiful that it's difficult to believe that it's written. It's written by Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin, where he describes what the nature of Amalek is. And what Rav Tzadok says is as follows. Amalek, or Safik, is this entity in our minds that exists devoid of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the one thing that must be destroyed. Everything else, no matter how evil it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how overwhelming it is, appears to have a residual spark of holiness that gives chayas and life to it, that provides its vitality. And our job is to uncover that vitality and elevate that spark of holiness, thereby revealing the inherent Kedusha within those forces of impurity. But Amalek, we're not given a choice. Amalek is meant to be destroyed. Amalek is meant to be negated and erased and forgotten as if it has never existed. And Rav Tzadok asks the very important question, how could it be? How could it be that there's a Metzius in the world that is devoid of the animating spark of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How could it be that there are threatening ideas in the world that can't find comfort within themselves? How could it be that there's any actual evil, any standalone Ra or negation that stands against the very basis of our understanding? And what Rav Tzadok says in Rasise Laila in Islam and Bayes is something remarkable. He says that the essential spark of holiness that sustains the identity of Amalek 
is the eventual erasure of Amalek to show us that Amalek could have never existed to begin with. That the idea of Amalek, the idea of a standalone entity of evil that is devoid of a spark of sustaining holiness, the goal, the spark of holiness that sustains it is the need to erase it so that we come to realize that such a concept could never exist. That our job is to erase the concept of Amalek because there's no such thing as something that is devoid of evil. That Amalek is also a Metzias, She'en a Metzias. It's an existence that is unreal. It's experience, its expression is the very nature of its falsehood. It exists by way of non-existence and our job is to come to recognize that it could have never existed. Just like Sveikos and just like anxiety and just like that Lahatacharav HaMesapechas. Rav Tzadok says as follows, that when a person wants to try and elevate the spark of holiness, to receive the spark of holiness that gives chayas and vitality to Amalek, they come to realize that they can't because the spark, the holy spark that gives chayas and vitality to Amalek is the power of Hashem himself who desired that there should be this metzias of a concept of Amalek in the world. And when we come to realize that it's only Hashem's desire for this unredeemable entity, that is the way that we clarify in truth that it doesn't exist at all. We find then that Hashem has wanted there to be something evil, but in truth, the reality of evil is not real because Hashem's desire is not really for evil. It's only according to the external understanding of our imaginative fears that it appears to be that that is Hashem's desire. But in truth, it has no existence whatsoever. Nevertheless, our imaginations and our anxiety is also from God. And that's what it means that as long as this imagination of Amalek, this imagination of Sveikos is in our lives, the chair of HaKadosh Baruch Hu cannot be whole because we are living with an imagination of anxiety that is not real. And even though it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, nevertheless, it blocks us from that Menucha Sanefesh that we want. Because in truth, we cannot understand whatsoever in this world how it is possible that there can be a Metzias She'ena Metzias Klal, an existence that is not a true existence, as the Tzaddik of Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern describes concepts as well that this concept of Amalek is an existence that doesn't truly exist. Just like Rav Huttner said with regards to the Shadim that hold the Lahat HaMesapechas. It's an existence that is not real. Just like Rashi tells us about that Lahat HaMesapechas. It is the fear that emerges that in truth is aimed by Mamish. That our job is to come and recognize that these things, these fears that we have, these doubts that we experience are in truth not real. And our job is to see through them. And our job is to see through the fact that we can never find certainty and to live with that reality. The way of being mamtik sveikos, as Rav Kook points out and Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalat points out as well, is to recognize that the word suffik shares the same root with sipuk, with satisfaction. Because what suffix does for a person, what doubt does for a person in their minds, is it creates the phenomenon, it creates the feeling that I can never be where I need to be. I can never rest assuredly in anything, because ultimately I don't know. 
but it is that very experience. It is that very encounter with the fact that we can never be certain about anything, that the only certainty that exists in the world is Havadai Shemo Kenti Laso, the certainty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When I come to recognize that Safek, this unknowing, this inability to know anything with certainty is a fundamental element of what it means to be a human being. At that point, I learn how to find sipuk, satisfaction, because I learn that I don't have to run after certainty. I don't need certainty in order to be comfortable. I'm okay within myself, even within my sveikos, even within the doubts that assault an individual, even the anticipatory concerns over what might happen. We do not allow those things to block us from moving forward. We do not allow those things to block us from moving weiter. That if we demanded certainty, if we demanded absolute knowledge of anything, we wouldn't do anything because we live in a world of Ilana Desveka. The goal is to transform Safek into Sipuk, to allow that recognition that at best, I will only know things berov. I live according to the law of majority. I have to act as if I have certainty. I have to live with the acknowledgement, like Rabbi Nachman says, that everything at the end of the day is just ki'ilu. It's only as if I am certain. But in truth, if I demand certainty, I won't accomplish anything. And the pathway towards finding presence in this world with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, towards finding a moment of satisfaction and calmness, is to recognize that it is within the unconditional sense of suffake that I find sipuk. Because when we unpack suffake, when we realize that suffake is not as frightening as we assume it to be, we give ourselves the capacity of throwing ourselves further into Avedas Hashem within the suffake. Yes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's a world full of doubt, and that's okay. That's how you want me to serve you. The Soyd Yisharim of Radzin, Rav Gershon Hanach Liner of Radzin, Tzuchu Sayogan Aleinu, the tzaddik who gives us so much of what we understand of what it means to be human in 2021. A tzaddik who spoke for our generation in particular. Rav Gershon Hanach Radzin in his Sefer on Tcheles has a remarkable discussion about the Meforshim who were pushing back against engaging in a particular mitzvah because it's only mitzad hasafik. And what the Radziner goes through in this arichus is a question of, since when do we not serve Hashem out of suffolk? Since when do we only serve God out of certainty? Since when is the prerequisite for participating in a positive action or any positive engagement with life dependent on being certain about the outcome. Since when is certainty even a concept for us? Now, the Red Ziner says, if you want to claim that you want to be certain that you'll get the reward, so then that's a sechel gas. That's a, a thickness of the mind that is not refined. Because in truth, what difference is there whether I'm certain or not? I am serving God in Suffolk as well. And the Red Ziner has an incredible proof that he gives to this. He says that we know that the mitzvahs that we do create malachim, the mitzvahs that we do create celestial spiritual forces within our minds that give us chizuk, moments of comfort, moments of reinvesting ourselves in holiness, moments of compassion and love and kindness, the malachim that help us along our way. Just like we have the shadim in our minds that attack us and make us anxious, we also have the malachim in our minds which give us koyach, which propel us further. And the Radziner points out, he says, 
We also know that the Zohar HaKadosh speaks about the Malachim created specifically by Tekiyah Shofar. And we know from Chazal that certain Tekiyos are rooted in Safek. Some of the Tekiyos that we blow are Sveikos. So he says, what happens there? And the Radziner tells us that there's an Indian of Malachim Shal Safek, angels of doubt that we encounter in our lives that are as valuable as certainty. Because what it means to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to live with the Sveikos, is to throw ourselves into the Sveikos and to find Sipuk in it. Because we're not living for that which is in the future. That's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're living in the now. We're trying to access the Garden of Eden within our minds right now to taste of that place prior to the Ilana de Sveika. And so the Radziner says, Mehechan that you need vada'us. Who says you need certainty? Serve Hashem with your doubts. And he brings a mushal from the Gemara. He brings a mushal from the Gemara that there was a Tana who was going to engage in the mitzvah of Pidyon Shvuyim, of redeeming those who are stuck, those who are lost. And there was a river blocking his way. And he comes and he says to the river, split your waters for me so that I can go. And the river says to him, why? I'm serving God and you're serving God. And he says, in fact, I'm serving God with certainty because I know that my waters are flowing. You're serving God in doubt because you don't know if you're going to be able to be poida, this person who is stuck. And the Tana says to the river, he says, split for me right now or I will decree upon you that your waters do not flow ever again. And the river splits. And the Radziner asks, he says, what is this, cruelty? The river had a good claim. The Malach of the river had a good claim. It's serving God through certainty. And this Tana was only serving God through doubt. But what the tzaddik says is that what we find from here is that serving God through doubt is of a loftier level. Serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu without vada'us, living in a world of doubt, living in a world that is cut through with sveikos, is the very thing that enables us to find sipuk, is the very thing that enables us to find comfort within the heichalei hatumuros, within that world of ever-changing colors. The apex of the Arizal system is sveikos. When a person comes to the highest point, so that nakuda that cannot be known, it's sveikos. And a person can ask the question, how could it be that the tzaddik who has come to teach us how to live with the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at the end of the day tells us what he doesn't know, tells us what he's musupak about. But as the Mephorshim point out, as the Ramchal points out, and all of the tzaddikim who discuss these ideas point out, suffik, to live with suffik is to live with amuna. To live with sveikos is to live with the awareness that I don't need vada'us in order to be certain about anything. I can serve you HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I can find you within the suffik. As Rav Moshe Chalap points out, that suffik is also the gematria of Ram, of something that is elevated, something that is so lofty that it cannot manifest in any certainty in this world. And even though when we experience suffik down here, it feels like Marirus, which is the gematria of Mar and bitterness, the gematria of Amalek. Nevertheless, when we're mamtiket, when we sweeten it, it's transformed into Roimimus, into exalted experience, because every moment in front of me is another opportunity for me to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is what it means when we say in simcha In simcha there's no joy like the joy of undoing doubt. Hatara, undoing, can be read as getting rid of doubt, but it can also be read as allowing doubt. Like we say, that we are giving ourselves permission to pray with those who are transgressors. 
We give ourselves permission to live with doubt. We allow ourselves to find the possibility of vada'ut within doubt itself, to find certainty within the very experience of doubt, almost as if to say there is nothing more certain than the lack of certainty and to find myself with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that place. There's no joy like allowing ourselves to live with doubt and transforming our doubts from a place of anxiety and discomfort and assumption over the worst taking place and to live with the recognition that right now in this moment, I'm okay. Our job is to take the questions of this lower experience and to elevate them back up to that lofty place of emuna. To end, we're going to look at an akuda from the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, who explains this incredibly clear. In the Baal Shem Tov Torah, in Ois Kuf Lamid Tes, the Baal Shem Tov says as follows, on the Pasuk, There is this rotating sword that gives birth to doubts, in order to protect and ensure that the human being does not return back to that Eitz Chaim. When a person comes to try and cleave their minds to the supernal worlds, when a person comes to try and find comfort, to escape the doubtful nature of this worldly anxiety and to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Klipos, distortion, those shadim, those haunts in our minds, those fears and projections and those concerns and worries, they don't allow us to ascend upwards to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The rotation, the ruminations themselves block us. And even though a person is incapable of moving beyond those doubts and cleaving to the Eitz Nevertheless, a person should push themselves countless times over and over and over again, trying to enter, retreating back, trying to enter again, retreating back. And at that moment, we are cleaving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because as the Ramchal tells us, the Indian of Sveikos are the Indian of Ratzav the reality that serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a two-step dance. It's not a singular experience of certainty something that would negate free choice, but rather it's the descent into doubts themselves, living with doubt, allowing doubt, making room for doubt, and saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, guess what? I don't need certainty to serve you. Suffolk is the birthplace of serving you. Suffolk is my opportunity to realize that Amalek doesn't exist, that the Shadim don't exist, that that is ain by Mamish. And in that way, we can be medavik ourselves to the Eitz HaChayim. Not in spite of the but through the that it is what brings us back into that place and it gives us the ability to transform suffolk into sipuk doubt into comfort doubt into satisfaction and self-sufficiency but Ezra Sashem what we're going to discuss next week is the relationship with place and anxiety as we're going to see Kayan's experience of being placeless, of not being in the right place at the right time, of always feeling deferred from where he needs to be, and the encounter that we have with anxiety from that perspective as well. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha.
The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Chef of Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 